This is holding down the fort. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Holding Down the Fort. Today, we are holding it down with Megan Van Auken, the tape on the stick, assistant equipment manager at Colgate University, and my dear friend. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jim. You know, it is, uh, it's is—it's been a long time coming. Uh, you, like myself, are from the middle of nowhere, out there uh, being from Cooperstown, the Sherburn neighborhood. Shout out Gilligan's Island, the greatest little town restaurant that has ever existed. They locked us in there uh, about 10 years ago or so. Um, anyway, we're going into Colgate University. Megan is the assistant equipment manager, deals heavily with all of the teams. Megan, talk to us a little bit about your path through sports and kind of where you started and how we've ended up in such a big role. Yeah, so uh, I've been at Colgate for about eight years now, been in equipment for 12, um, kind of started on an absolute fluke. When I was in high school, I was the manager of our high school hockey team and was working with actually the Colgate equipment manager at the time. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is something kind of cool I could do. Ended up at Niagara and on an absolute joke was talking to a kid in my ethics class who said the team needed an equipment manager. So I reached out to the D1 head coach and started working in the equipment room. A couple of days later, I see the kid in class and he tells me he works for the club team and I'm working with the D1 team. So it worked out for the better. Whoa, no <laughs> way. That is, that is definitely an, an unknown story right there. So yeah. give me that again. The kid club ends up being a club kid and you directly reached out to the D1 guy saying just, Hey Burke, we think you guys might need somebody. Yep. Pretty much. That is so like out on a limb, didn't even mean this, fell yeah. into it. That yep. is, that's unbelievable. And you did reach out to Burke, right? He was the head coach yep. at the time. Yep. That is, that is so funny. One of the, uh, one of the world's nicest dudes for sure. So um, absolute fluke, get in there. How do we, uh, how do we get started? What's going on in the equipment room at Niagara? So day one, I literally swept the floors. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first ever job for Donnie. Uh, was sweeping floors, but then little by little, you know, just doing laundry here or there, helping out with baseball and softball, and then really expressed my interest in hockey and just kind of started learning from him for, from there and just kind of picked up everything as we went. So all of a sudden we're, we're going from, you know, a, a full washer is a happy washer to sharpening skates, learning the tightening methods, the tape stuff. Give me some, some of that hockey learning process, the the difference there. They obviously have a lot more equipment than any of the other sports that Niagara does. Yeah, so I kind of started small, um, you know, helping the guys with their different fittings of skates and shoulder pads and things like that, helmet repairs, and then kind of helping Donnie prep to sharpen. He didn't quite trust me to sharpen right away. He is a quite OCD man, and I don't blame him because he's the one that taught me how to do it, and I'm the same way now. I was going to uh, say, it's probably, probably something that comes, comes along with the position, right? <laughs> yes, very much. So you have to be very meticulous and very repetitive. Um, and I started with Donnie just cleaning the blades before you sharpen them. And eventually it was pretty much that summer before he left summer before my senior year, 
he had told me that, you know, we're going to put you on the sharpener because he had in the back of his mind that he was going to step out and he was going to be done. Um, and then it was all gas once he left in October and just completely took over. So yeah, it's like, Hey, Hey, I need someone who's going to be able to do this. And, uh, mm -hmm. there's the, uh, the trust factor of like, Hey, you haven't screwed any of this up too bad yet. Right. Like let's go, <laughs> let's go that final step. So is escape sharp, sharpening kind of the, uh, you know, the top thing there in hockey. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of the fitting, making sure the kids are in the right size skates to help get them the most out of their skates and the most out of their stride. But sharpening and profiling is the two most meticulous things when it comes to hockey, for sure. And that is a positional thing. That's probably a height and weight thing. Give me some of the uh, the specifics, if you will. Um, even going back to that, if you can remember any of that senior year hockey team here at Niagara, um, like, do we have the heat molder in house where we're fitting skates to guys? Like, give me some of the whole processes to how, uh, you know, how a Mark Zanette wears his skates. Yeah. So it's actually Niagara. When I started, there was super Bush league compared to what I do at Colgate. Now, um, Niagara has process, is the process been refined overall, or was Niagara just behind the times? Would you say a little bit of both? Yep. Um, so Niagara, we didn't do really anything with the guys for the most part. It's, Hey, here's your new skates, throw it in your locker. Here's the skate oven, go do it yourself. And there's no checking on them. There was no making sure they were good. They would Google how long to do it and do it themselves. Um, but now it's very extensive and there's a lot that goes into it now, but. So I can imagine, I remember some of those guys saying like, Hey, I don't, we don't wear socks. Like when they're molded to our feet and stuff like that. Right. Like these skates are so precision kind of engineered to our feet, you know, all that really matters. And like the Colgate process now walk us through kind of some of the, the futuristic things that, that we've got going on there as to how we fit them to both the, we have boys and girls hockey, right? Yep. Yep. So like we fitting them to both players, the positional breakdown on like edges you use, or is it all just personal preference? Give me some, some ideas. So starting with the last question there, it's completely player preference. Um, it, comes a lot into like picking their radius which is how much they bite into the ice uh, has a lot to do with weight on their feet and how heavy they are of a skater so some of your bigger kids are going to want less bite on the ice so they go with a little shallower hollow uh, because if they have more bite they're going to get tired out quicker because they're using more effort to be able to stride uh, but some of your lighter kids that I've got one kid on our team that's five two and maybe 120 pounds wow but she gets a lot of bite because otherwise she's just floating out there she needs yep. something to hold her down a little bit and so that's then, awesome and is that there's there's toe weighted heel weighted kind of like those edges are all just very precise to how everybody kind of does it and what would you say kind of a does a player find what they like along the way or do they kind of come into a a colgate situation knowing exactly what kind of skate they want to wear no, I wish they did, huh. um, especially more for the women's side. Um, a lot of it, it's starting to change now, but normally they come in and it's like, oh, well, this is what my dad gave me to wear. This is what my dad had him sharpened at. And the men know more of what they're doing. We're working to change it in the women's game. Uh, they're getting better for sure, but it's a lot of trial and error with these kids. It's, hey, I start at three eighths which is really sharp. And I'm like, mm, honey, no, you're, you're a little too big height wise to be doing that kind of sharpen. Let's back it down a little bit. 
and they're like, wow, I actually feel like I have a lot more energy. I'm, I'm able to move better. Like, okay, let's back it down a little bit more. And then they settle at a five eighths because they've got less bite. They can still turn and they're still getting a lot of power, but it's, it's a lot of trial and error with the women. It is for the men too, but the men are so much bigger that it's just an instant. We're going to put you at one of the shallowest, whereas the women vary so much in size. Of course, of course. And like, that has to be such like a, a performance advantage, right? Having someone who can tailor our edges properly to us where these girls probably all of a sudden get to get to college and from line to line are skating faster. They turn better. Their bet their front to backwards turns are, you know, just so much tighter. Everything about their game kind of improves when they get to college and it's not just, well, yeah, sure. The positional coaches and the skill work that we do every day, but like, the equipment really does matter in every single sport, but probably one of the most sports hockey, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And I won't take all the credit. Our strength staff here is unbelievable. They work so much with these kids to be able to give them more power in their stride that the skates just help them to achieve their full potential with all the other things that they've got and they're given here. It's the equipment. It just helps them reach to the higher levels that they didn't think was possible. Yeah. I mean, I just remember playing like, uh, I don't know, my Tiger Woods video game way back in the day. And like, there's certain equipment that you'd buy in the, in the pro shop and just like upped your game for, you know, didn't have to work on your skills. Didn't have to do anything. Like it definitely does, whether it's a confidence thing, sounds like it's actually a performance difference kind of thing, right? Like everybody, all of a sudden is like, wow, like we have all of these people kind of tailored in on making me at my best. Like, I'm absolutely going to go out and like crush my shift and then get off the ice and know that like, Hey, I've got energy to get back out there on a power play. I can get back out there on a short shift and turn it around again. Like we're really just giving them extra minutes on the ice, which ultimately like leads to, you know, performance plus minus all those things that we want people on the ice for. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And we also have one thing that is very different than Niagara that Niagara probably has now, but we do multiple sets of blades per kid. So for each of my kids at any given point, they have two extra sets of blades on the bench. So they blow an edge, come here, pop it out, put the new one in and go, and they don't miss a shift. So that how, uh, how quickly is that turnaround in the, uh, on the, on the bench as a pit crew right there? How quickly can you get a um, in and out? It depends. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've had, had, you know, 10, 15 second changes. I've had some where their skates freeze so much. I've actually had to have our AT come help me pop out the blade because the trigger's frozen and my hands are far too small. <laughs> um, so it's been a minute or two before, but it's also been as quick as possible. So it varies. So on 10 to 15 seconds. I'm thinking that's like, that is rapid fire. Can yep. you walk me through if, if you can take us into like a, a different level of the game? NHL, you know, equipment people who are on the bench, is that something that we don't see that's going on on the bench, like super frequently at the, uh, at the highest levels even? Oh yeah. It's, it's very rare that you actually see it. You'll see more of the cool stick handoffs and the guy goes down and scores mm -hmm. um, or the videos of the Toronto Maple Leafs guy with his hand on the stick of whoever's got the puck to make sure he's ready to give him one. But the skate stuff is, it's so behind the scenes. A lot of the time you don't even know who is an equipment manager on the bench, who's a trainer. Um, and these guys, I mean, there's guys like Jack Eichel who they have 10 sets of steel or more on the bench and they're going through four, five, six sets a game. And it's, it's 
so quick with the pro guys too. It's because they change them so often. Their triggers are nice and easy to pull and pop right in, right out, go, and you don't even notice. So that's it. Right. Like, and that's once again, like, well, these guys are so good and this and that. Well, like there are so many people behind the scenes, nobody's seeing who's really making sure that their game on the ice is like the highest level that it can be at. And sure. We have to shout out Jack Eichel to all the, uh, the bitter Sabres fans who uh, he just won a Stanley cup. He couldn't be happier. Not in Buffalo, of course. (laughs) So um, taking us through some of the other sports I know women's soccer was just back on campus and we were kind of showing off some of the stuff that we were doing. Take us through just like some of the other regular things that you get on a day to day outside of hockey. Yeah. So my main sports I work with right now are women's hockey, women's soccer, women's lacrosse, and then men's and women's cross country and track and field. Um, Here at Colgate, I've also worked with women's basketball, softball, field hockey, both men's and women's tennis, uh, men's lacrosse. And during COVID, I also did some football. So I've kind of, I was going to, I was going to ultimately get to football on the, uh, the gear side. That's got to be crazy yeah. intense, especially not ever dealing with it before. Right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of what I do outside of hockey is really just apparel wise, um, you know, getting teams set up to go on the field, making sure their uniforms are here. They're clean. Uh, they're in good shape. They're ready uh, for soccer. It's a little bit more labor intensive because of their cleats. Um, we've got, a difficult brand that we deal with on occasion, uh, whereas it's different from the elite brand of soccer cleats. So just trying to get kids in a cleat that's in that brand that they're comfortable in and that they can compete in at the highest level. That's that's what my job has been pretty much all week is getting them ready with cleats. So now is it all turf soccer, lacrosse, everything, or do you guys have some grass fields out there? We have grass practice fields, uh, but everybody plays on the turf fields, whether it's inside or outside. We've got all so is there, are we talking practice cleats versus game cleats or is everybody able to practice in both with uh, the change in surfaces? Uh, most kids have both pairs, but they're the exact same pair that they just rotate evenly through. Uh, I don't think that any of them really classified as a practice in a game. It's more, they just have a one and a two. So if one is still sweaty and nasty before their second, second practice of the day or at halftime, they can easily switch into the other pair. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so once again, just kind of behind the scenes stuff, like not realizing that you can change your cleats into the exact same pair of the same size, like being ready to go at, at a halftime, come out while wow, you're a step faster. You're this, that sometimes on the road, this, that, the other thing trainer didn't make it. We don't always have that luxury when we're, when we're traveling sometimes talk to us a little bit about the, uh, the travel that you guys have gone through and just like uh, kind of some of the accommodations on the road. I'm sure some of it's been pretty nice, right? Yeah. So I only travel with women's hockey. Um, If I travel with a soccer lacrosse, it's in big games, playoff, national tournament time, um, which unfortunately hasn't happened here yet. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen soon. No, Uh, no, this is the year. Let's go gate. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So with hockey, it's again, labor intensive. Um, My girls do pack their own bags before we leave, but I pack pretty much everything else. And our bus driver is unreal. Shout out Vinny. He is awesome and does everything for us. I don't load the bus. He does it. Uh, The girls just bring out their bags and drop it and he loads it. It's a giant game of Tetris. (laughs) So especially with the hockey bags, right? Getting them all in the Mm -hmm. bus. Yeah. And my girls have really big bags. The bags are really long for some reason. It's just the style we've always had. So it's even more challenging to pack, especially when we got 25 kids with three goalies on that roster. It gets hard. 
traveling three goalies is always, always kind of the, uh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, nice. Um, some of the places that we've been and like, do we go on, we're going on the, the flight trips with them. We're going absolutely yeah. everywhere they go. Talk us through, uh, like a little bit about some of the, uh, the best seasons we've had. So I would say the best that there's two that are right up there for me of my best ever trips. Both were plane trips. Uh, first was when we made it to the frozen four in Minnesota back in 2018. Uh, we ended up having a private jet that took us, but all of our gear didn't fit because. Uh, of course. <laughs> so I ended up having to send stuff with Clarkson on their private jet. Um, and then we, and had we left the goalie at home. <laughs> oh, no, we almost left the sharpener at home, but we ended up bringing it. <laughs> uh, my second favorite, which was also the most chaotic, was to Nashville. We went and did the Smashville tournament two years ago. Um, and we actually won the Smashville tournament and came back with a custom guitar. But that was wow. during Thanksgiving and we flew commercial, which is the most anxiety an equipment manager can ever experience on the way there. On the way home, I don't care. If the stuff gets there, great. Lose the bags. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's challenging. It's very stressful, when, especially when you're sitting on the tarmac and they've already closed the door of the plane and you look out the window and there is the van of all of your hockey bags just sitting there. Like, no, no, bring them in. Bring them in. Like, yeah. What are you doing? Those are ours. We need them. Yeah. Scary. So, um, did we, did we end up losing stuff, get it delivered to the hotel? Anything absolutely crazy on, on that Nashville trip? Luckily, no, we didn't lose a single bag. Everything made it as it should goalie bags, player bags, stick bags, everything. We weren't missing anything. Wow. That is uh Hey, kudos to you for, uh, for being there and uh shout out to whoever you flew commercial on Thanksgiving weekend. Cause yeah, seriously. <laughs> I can't believe we made it home alive last, last Thanksgiving either. So, um, coming back from that, right? Like take us through, I'd say like the last month or so, right? Big old trip to the Czech Republic for a yeah. totally different sport that involves no skates or sharpening. Walk <laughs> us through it a little bit on the, uh, the broom ball trip. Yeah. So I went with USA ball hockey, U 22 women's team. Uh, we went to Czech Republic for the junior world championships, uh, ended up unfortunately losing a heartbreaker in a shootout. Uh, but the kids absolutely played their heart out to we lost in a shootout to a team that beat us I think double digits to one maybe the first game of the tournament okay okay and they so took them big comeback for us <laughs> yeah um that trip was amazing uh I actually got to go on that trip through people I've met working at Colgate working hockey uh, my best friend was one of my best friends was the GM and she asked me to be the assistant GM and equipment for, her. um, so you got to do head equipment job for that trip. Yes. Yes. Um, how is that? How is flying all those bags to the Czech Republic sound? <laughs> so that was challenging. Um, especially because we didn't meet together and fly because we have kids from all over the Northeast. Ah. So we just, everybody kind of flew from where they were at, uh, we ended up almost losing a kid. <laughs> we had a not a bag, but a kid. <laughs> yep, she was stuck in Iceland for two days at the airport. <laughs> yeah, she ended up showing up the night before our first game, though. So we were good. She ended up using somebody else's stick and stuff for the game, but we got her out there. That's the important part. Uh, my GM ended up with no bags the entire week in Czech Republic. All of them were stuck in Newark. So she had no clothes, no nothing. That was fun to go shopping. Yeah, wow. Oh boy. 
but all the kids, we made sure that they packed their, we had a big meeting, pack your jerseys in your carry-on because I don't have extras and I'm not flying with a bag of all of them because they're going to get lost. So once we got there, got everybody settled, it was great. It was a great time. And everybody had their jerseys in their carry-on. Yes. Yes. Nobody forgot jerseys. So we were good. (laughs) We might not have helmets, but you can get out there in your jersey and you'll be all right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We can borrow a helmet from the boys team. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So did we take a, did we take a Northeast boys team kind of uh, along the same timeline? How did that line up? Yeah. So we actually took five teams in total. So the week before was U23 boys, U20 boys and U16 boys. And then our week there was U18 boys and then our U22 team. And they were from all over, not just the Northeast. So, so did I, we, we meet lots of people from other countries while we were there? Oh, yeah. Lots of people. So we played Canada, Slovakia, Great Britain, and Czech Republic while we were there. And everybody, uh, everybody real cool. Does everybody uh, attempt to speak English or how did, uh, how did the communication go? (laughs) Uh, Communication with the teams went great Uh, and the community of Liberic, not so great because it is not a touristy area. So there were some, there were some challenge barriers. I was very glad to be back in the States and not have to point in a menu when I wanted to order, but the teams were great. They were, they all spoke, even if it was broken English, it was still pretty good. And you could easily communicate with everybody, even the Czechs and Slovakians. So little, little accent, but we, we get the gist of it. (laughs) Well, I'm used to it. I have, I have a girl on our team from Czech Republic. So obviously any kind of uh, elite division one program in, in the States, right? Like we're recruiting internationally. Talk to us about how does a girl like that end up at, at Colgate and like, I know it's a high academic institution. How does all that stuff line up for, if you know any part about that side of it? I don't, I don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, I leave that to the coaches. I just fit them when they get here. <laughs> but uh, Kalti was called, her name is Kalti Kaltanakova. She is one of the greatest humans I've ever met. Um, it was the biggest pickup we've ever had to get her here. She is a force to be reckoned with on and off the ice. And she, she is going to be a program setting player for sure. She's going into her senior year this year. So, so you're about to watch her do some, some really remarkable things, huh? Yep. Yep. And you've, you've been there for the whole ride along by her side. Yep. Absolutely. Now we have, we have uh girls from over there that uh, maybe played with her back in the day or are younger and in her, uh, her club program that we're trying to think about getting over here now that she's so awesome. Well, I don't know about that part, but she was actually supposed to play in the tournament while we were over there. And I am so grateful that she did not because she would have destroyed us. <laughs> it would have we're so we're bad. so happy that she was not out there against us. Yeah, honestly. Um, sounds funny, but it was very big size difference between her and the girls that we had brought there. So grateful she didn't play, but it was also really sad because she was the first person I told when I accepted the opportunity to go because it's her, her homeland, essentially. And does so. she get to, I was going to say, she gets to go home every summer and kind of hang out for a while. Yeah. Yeah. She was home for, she just got back in the States a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she was in Czech almost the entire summer, which she hasn't really done the past few years. It's only been quick trips, but she was able to spend some really good time at home this year, which was really nice for her. That's huge. And that's such a mental break for athletes. A lot of the time, just kind of getting back yeah. to 
home, everybody who's kind of, you know, supportive of us and just kind of getting surrounded by that. I'm sure that going back into a senior year where, you know, Hey, the, the expectations are high on ourselves and, you know, it's a record setting year and this and that you come back into it with a pretty level head after a summer trip, especially leaving America. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's, it's a big year for us. We just repeated the ECAC championship for the women's side. So it's, we got a lot to live up to. That's for sure. Well, that's awesome. So if, um, even though we're not working directly with football right now, obviously that's one of the seasons that's up on us. Um, talk to us a little bit about having those guys back and what kind of stuff is going out there from a football standpoint at Colgate. Yeah. So football never leaves. Um, <laughs> so we have had about 60 of them on campus all summer. At a couple of points, we only had 30 or 40 of them, but we get most of the team here all summer. Only, long. only 30 or 40. Of yeah. Them. Um, that's, you know, summer shift is get here at 8 a.m. First thing you do is go throw in football laundry from the night before. So it's it. Football is definitely different. Um, when I worked football over COVID, it was a learning curve for myself and also a little bit of self-growth because my director at the time was trying to push me to do football. And I flat out said, I don't have experience. I am not comfortable putting these kids on the field in a helmet that I fitted because I don't know if it's completely accurate and I don't want them to get hurt. Um, so there's a lot that goes into football. We, we take that real seriously, right? On the ice yeah. on I, at, at any, any stage of any game. Yeah. At, at any physical contact sport, it's your gear has to be fitted so properly and nothing's going to stop a concussion, but those helmets are so intricate to try to help prevent the impact of that blow. And I wasn't comfortable putting a kid on the field in a helmet that I fit because I'm not entirely sure it's accurate. Um, so that was a big self-growth moment for me within equipment and I will stand by it every day, but now I am more comfortable in fitting because our football guy that came in definitely walked me through stuff and had me actually fit guys with him. So I'm much more comfortable now, but still don't know if I would fully trust myself to throw a guy on the field in that helmet for sure. But well, that's, that's awesome though. And like learning that stuff, it's probably every year, it seems like concussion protocol kind of stricken and it gets, gets a little bit, a little bit stricter and tightens up on, on, you know, every level of the sport. Like, yeah. is that something that you guys walk through from a training standpoint every year where you have to learn new stuff or just kind of, um, you know, new steps in your process, whether it's on the ice or with the football guys? Yeah. So we do a lot of continuing education, uh, we have pushed our entire athletic equipment staff, our full-time staff to be athletic equipment managers association certified. Uh, so I got certified a couple of years ago and that certification just kind of gives a little bit of a trust to the university. And within that you have to, like I said, do continuing education units. Um, so every year there's a little bit of training and whatnot that we go through. And then the, the institution also provides us some training as well that we have to go through just like to help preventative because we are on the sidelines. So if the athletic trainer is dealing with somebody else that had an injury, we are supposed to be some of the next people that go out to help if somebody is injured and just kind of gives us a background on, you know, the different steps we should be taking. If, you know, somebody's blacked out, if somebody's leg is broken and pointing the wrong direction, just things like that. Um, not too crazy, not too intense, but just ways to keep the kid calm and get somebody over there as quick as possible. So we do have a little bit of training every year, but not too intensive. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a, a big thing. I remember um, 
going to a purple pride swim meet and watching one of the dudes um do a you know a reverse dive off of the diving board hit the board the high dive hit the board mm -hmm. with his femur on the way down and ends up landing in the pool below and and no one has any idea to what to do right so like all of a sudden the first person i see in the water is the head swim coach who's underneath him floating him to the top just making sure that he's not dying while like everyone else is trying to get their get their bearings together to go in the water like that guy trained or not was like first one reactive like had to get out there and i'm sure the amount of care we have for you know the girls on the ice the girl you know the people that we're with all the time like you yeah. want to be someone who can make a difference if there's a situation like that right yeah absolutely and with the way that our rink is set up as well um, we have what we call the tunnel way down to the locker room. So if kids are injured, they come flying through my end down the tunnel. Our athletic trainer stands at the other end of the bench. So a lot of the times I'm the first one that they're facing when they're in pain and coming down the tunnel. Now we have upped our game a little bit and our athletic trainer and I wear walkie talkies on the bench. <laughs> we wear little earpieces. Pretty, um, pretty official. If I, if oh, I got to yeah. say so. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It looks pretty cool. Um, but that way we can communicate with each other quickly that something's going on. So if he doesn't see that one of our kids flies off the ice, then I can radio him to come down. Absolutely. Absolutely. We might have a guest star real quick. You're coming out. Whoop, whoop. Is she? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this portion of the episode sponsored by hello. Gatorade. <laughs> Say hello to Megan. My Hi. wife, Jacqueline Marie Fort. Megan's very good friend. Here in the show. Woo! Gatorades for our sons. Did you really need him to open your Gatorades? <laughs> Parker Ford at the door. What's up, everybody? <laughs> so me and Megan are, uh, are just about to wrap up. We're actually about to hit some uh, some rapid fire stuff. And okay. uh, then we will uh, we'll let you get back to these important roles that you have out there. Um, if I was going to... Yes, sir. Like the uh, the new Zoom meeting where the kids get dragged out of the room. <laughs> so Megan, I am going to send you to a uh, deserted island for one year. You get to bring one person. You get to bring one food. You get to bring one movie to watch the entire 365 days. Who are you bringing? What food are you bringing? What movie are we watching? Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I'm going to bring my boyfriend. I'm going to bring Ian Brown with me. Shout out uh, Ian Brown. Ian's like seven foot five. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he can cut down all the trees we need him to cut down. <laughs> exactly. Um, mm, food. I'm gonna bring potatoes because you can do a lot of things with potatoes. Got to be got to be able to have variety. 365 days straight. Yes. Uh, movie. I'm gonna bring Draft Day. I'm a big Draft Day fan. Wow, Kevin Kevin Costner fan. Yeah. That is a that's an amazing movie, and that's probably a, a very slept on pick right there. Yeah. As far as someone who, what you'd pick to watch over and over again, that is, that is absolutely awesome. So Costner is coming for the trip as well. I would, uh, you know, if there was a series, maybe bring Yellowstone nice and long, nice and uh, entertaining. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie draft day, great pick <laughs> five years from now, Megan Van Auken is where doing what, and, uh, what's the most memorable thing we've done along the way. Uh, five years from now, I want to be right where I am. I am so happy being at Colgate, being in the role that I'm in, 
it's, you know, I have so much trust and so much support behind me and coaches, staff, they players, they could all change. And I would still want to be right here. Um, I'm hoping the biggest accomplishment would be that we have a national championship banner hanging up behind me. Uh, hopefully that comes a lot sooner than five years, but I'm hoping that's going to be the biggest accomplishment. So every year, ECEC, right? Three peep, you go into that thinking, Hey, we can beat anybody anywhere on any ice, right? Yep, exactly. And this is the team that's going to do it. If we're going to have a team do it. This is for sure. That team. That is amazing. This is uh, Hey, you heard it here first. Colgate fans, everybody else, right? If um, if we had a time in our life where we had to fake it till we make it, can you give me a time where we've had to, hey, maybe we weren't ready for something. Maybe we were a little uh, unsure about it and we went into it, balls to blazing, just got it done anyway. Yeah, actually, when Donnie left at Niagara, when he left and goes, okay, Meg, here you go. You're the head equipment manager for the next Good couple luck. of months. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Uh, I had no clue what I was doing. Sharpening was the only thing I knew that I, what I was doing. Everything else was flying by the seat of my pants, but faked it till we made it. And now here we are 12 years later. So we're doing, we're doing something very similar, obviously found the love in it. And like, I mean, any position that anyone has anywhere, especially in sports, it's very desirable by other people. Right. So like anytime you're grateful to be working for Colgate in the role that you are, you know, that that's like, Hey, someone somewhere is working hard to want this role. Right. And that kind of keeps you going for it. But when you first get into it, right. It totally, in my opinion, becomes an effort thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, Hey, I might not know, like, I'm going to ask Igor Miranoff exactly what he needs for, for this right now. I'm going to ask this guy exactly what's going on here. I am going to put that note in James's locker for, for Jackie. Cause he's going to have a better road trip. Right. Had to bring it up. Sorry, mommy. Right. But um, like all of these, all of these things that you just kind of learn as you go, it's all an effort-based thing. And I think ultimately a communication thing where if you're caring about the people who you're fitting, who you're putting the equipment on, you ultimately are going to do the best job. Yeah, for sure. And it's for me too. I, I didn't have any female role models. I didn't have any female contacts to reach out to. And there's still not a lot when it comes to equipment. There's currently three, four of us in women's in hockey period. There's four female equipment managers. So it's just nowadays, it's just reminding myself that, you know, I am the role model for somebody somewhere and just continue to put in that effort every day, no matter what. That is, that's unbelievable. And to think, you know, across an entire sport, that there's hundreds of teams, right? Like yeah, three, like three, four girls who are in it and like at assistant positions, at head positions, like that's not enough, right? Take the right. jump, get into the sport that you want to get into. Send that email to the division one coach, even if it might be the club guy in your class. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Take the jump, take the leap of faith. So that, uh, that brings us to the, my final question. If you had to pick a spirit animal for yourself, what would you say is your spirit animal and how do you embody it every day when you, when you bring it to the, to the ice? If I'm at work, uh, I try to be golden retriever energy for sure. Try to keep the kids happy. Like you said, Colgate is such a rigorous academic school. These kids are dealing with a lot, a lot of mental health stuff and just trying to bring that positivity and just obnoxious energy for them every single day. And it, it just, we try to make the rink a destination. And by being a golden retriever energy, I think I'll help a little bit. 
That is that is exactly where we uh, we got to wrap it up. Golden retriever energy, people. We got to bring that to whatever we do. You're fun. People might be allergic to you. They're going to pet you and love you anyway, right? It doesn't matter, right? The, they, they don't even care about the fur. You're so happy. You're so fun and fun loving. They just go after you, right? I remember those, uh, the stress relieving dogs they used to bring through Gallagher Center on uh, finals week. And it was just like, oh, dude, God. these things are the greatest possible, possible relief that you could have at this moment in time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when you get get a, a golden retriever person every day, that's exactly what you got to show up and, and see. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, Megan, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for doing it at the rink. The place looks beautiful. Obviously, you guys keep it in great shape. It's evolved a little bit since uh, I used to go there and sit next to the uh, the pep band on the uh, the left side, I believe, behind the opposing bench. Hopefully, they're still in the same spot screaming, uh, and your mother knows you suck at the uh, the other team's backup goalie. So. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, some of the some of the most some of the most intense fans I've ever met in my life, and it was. It was a friend's dad who used to bring us who literally sat at the front of the pep band and would lead these charges. And God, I hope Dave Perlman still makes it out there for some of the games because he was a diehard. <laughs> he probably does. Probably does. Yeah, if you, uh, if you ever see him short, little curly haired man, he's probably like 70 now running <laughs> around the rink with two hot dogs in his hand. He is, uh, he is sitting right at the front of the pep band, warming up the bus with his keys, helping the other team get the hell out of the building. So love that. Megan. Thank you for holding down the fort with us. Have a great night. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Holding Down the Fort. This is Jimbo Fort reminding you to hold it down. Be on the lookout for our new merch. Anybody who has any questions for the show or for our guests on the show, please email us at holdingdownthefortpod at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube for all the latest updates and to hold it with us. Thank you again. We look forward to having you back for the next episode.